So, good, very warm welcome back to episode 20 of the Happy Hockey podcast. My name is Peter Thomas and I'm the head coach and founder of Happy Hockey. And today, my guest is Nigel Sellers, the joint manager of Hockey Wales Men's Over 35s, uh, talking striking a balance. A very warm welcome, Nigel. Thank you very much, Peter. Warm welcome to you and to all the listeners. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, great. Thank you very much. Well, it's good to have you on. Um, just, I suppose, to mention joint manager, Nigel and I are both managers of the Hockey Wales over 35s team that we both play for, just going through the, the next season, working towards the Four Nations, as it's now called, in the World Cup next year, uh, former in Swansea, latter in Nottingham. That's 2022, assuming COVID doesn't bite once again. Um, but just going back to the podcast itself so as ever like the game of hockey with the podcast has two halves um, in the first half we'll hear from Nigel about his journey into hockey uh, and into uh, in particular the, the bits of other the other bits and pieces that he's involved in uh, beyond being just a player of the game at the moment um, our half time this week we'll look at new year's resolutions and the idea of that's a little bit of productivity what you're going to do in 2022 and this is actually now the second time that I've alluded to it and perhaps a, an alternative way of, of thinking and, and looking at New Year's resolutions um, starting perhaps now rather than necessarily in January. And then we'll go back to Nigel in the second half as ever when we hear from him about what he's doing now and all the things that he has to balance with his current, I suppose, work, life and hockey portfolio as ever, asking him to leave us with his three key takeaways. So that's pretty much it from me. Um, over to you, Nigel. Well, where did it all start with you? Hockey-wise, I mean, start in there, Pete. Yeah, yeah why not? Um, <clears throat> hockey for me started a cast my mind back in the deep recesses. Um, I started my hockey journey at primary school in uh, in Leegrave oh, wow. in Luton, Bedfordshire. Uh, yeah. About nine, ten years old, we played um, Unihock, yeah. as it was back then. And um, for those youngsters listening into here, mm. Unihock was plastic hockey sticks, airflow balls mm. so you couldn't hit it too far too hard unfortunately <clears throat> and it's got like ice hockey goals oh. and you could use both sides of the stick not just one side as you would with a conventional hockey stick and um you know i was a big football player when i was younger loved my sport back then still love my sport now and it was just another th- one of those things we did at primary school just another sport and i quite enjoyed it you know it's a bit of hand-eye coordination quite like cricket too um and running around indoors in the gymnasium great bit of fun but it wasn't I didn't really sort of think oh, hockey's for me at that point I just thought it's a nice another team game love the team games um I just thought see how it goes and it's only when really I joined secondary school um and then my second school was traditional we had rugby in the autumn term hockey in the second term and then cricket in the summer terms of three primary well, sports I kind of was obliged to play uh, proper hockey, so to speak, with with the wooden hockey sticks as they were back yeah. then, the old TK One Plus. For those of you uh, into your hockey sticks, um, on grass pitches, yeah. And then nothing beats that that winter reverberation off a hockey stick when you hit a leather hockey ball. This is really day to me now. And then the vibrations come up your hockey stick through your gloves and up your forearms. You think, why have I chosen this sport? Because I can't yeah. even hit the ball, and it's aching my arms but it's just <clears throat> one of those things that got to hang out with the guys um in the hockey team kind of showed a bit of um bit of skill in it and it just kind of went on just with hockey and then we started playing more on astro pitches oh. really enjoyed that and as the sort of the rugby and cricket which i'm still involved with took more of a back seat i just found that my hockey development progressed quicker than my other sports and i that was a great way for me back then of of meeting other people in the school, but in clubs as well, and actually mixing with, with older boys in the school. Because certainly my school was kind of like, you, you wouldn't chat to, to the boys in the, the year above or the year above that. You know, it wasn't sort of a done thing. But if you played sport in the team for the years above, which I did, you actually were sort of more welcome with the older guys. And it's actually a great way for me to connect and have fun. Yeah. So I think hockey, I guess, I guess the sort of theme perhaps today really for me is hockey is, I love the game itself, but actually it's more uh, about what it gives me off the pitch and what I enjoy about the camaraderie with people working together and just kind of having fun, really, and just a sense of achievement when you have a really good, tough game. You do all your prep for it, and then whether you win or you don't, but you know you're giving the best side of yourself to it and, and enjoying that. I think that's for me where I had my hockey journey started then. 
played a bit of county stuff when I was younger, school first, 11, then sort of went on to university as well, University College London, played junior hockey, which was, which was very different. You uh, win, lose or draw, you'd go and celebrate with a snake bite and black, as it were, in the student union after a Bucks game on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, yeah, and then, and then then moved on to my my adult hockey. Um, I was living in London at this point after I left UCL. Uh, and I did a Masters in Cambridge as well. I played a bit of hockey there. And I played for Southgate Hockey Club, who I play for now. And I guess that's kind of been my sort of broad hockey journey, playing a bit of representative hockey with the East of England, over 35s more latterly. Um, and it's great to be able to, at my sort of ripe age, to be able to stay in, in the game in some shape or form, play a bit of representative hockey, bit of fun and, and done a few touring stuff as, as well. And that's great to be able to travel internationally. Well, pre-COVID we could, and hopefully we still mm. can going forward. But just, I really love love the game. I hope you can hear the passion coming through my voice because it's, I just really enjoy it. And that's kind of why I'm doing the um, health manager stuff with you. Um because I just really enjoy the game and I know how much it takes to get a game on and organise a team and I want to be able to contribute to that um, and see where it takes us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, how you say, yes, it was the game itself that got you in, but it's everything else that it brings that probably keeps you in and perhaps make helps you make that decision about which sport you, you choose. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have got multiple things they did when they were younger, but it was whatever particular sport they have now is there's, there's usually the additional reasons that make them stay. Uh, do you, did you get um, a blue when you were at Cambridge? Did you manage to get involved in that or? Uh, n- no, I didn't. I played for the, um, co- I played for the college and I also played for okay. um, the university third team. So that right. was, blue status is only for the first team. Yeah. Um, Okay, oh, fair enough. Um, but that, and interestingly, though, that's played at Southgate, isn't it? The the varsity game normally. It is. It is. Yeah, it's great. Great facility at Southgate. Um, and it's not been. We have got a really good um, clubhouse, a water pitch, and a, a 3G pitch. So sand dress, I think it is next to it. And the clubhouse overlooks both pitches. It's a really nice facility. Um, for anyone who hasn't been, come down and, and watch a game or, or come and join. More than welcome. So it's yeah, it's really nice there. And I suppose. I'd... In addition to those facilities, which you're right, the Southgate setup is is fantastic, not just in terms of having two pitches, which is relatively unusual for hockey clubs across the country. Um, I'm not trying to think. I think there's only one actually even in Sussex that has two pitches next to each other, which is Brighton. But um, but also the clubhouse and the fact that the changing rooms are below and the bar is upstairs with the, the cafe area. So you can actually watch the game, can't you? Um, yeah. From, from that standard. But um, what... What else was it about the, or what was it that also made you look at the additional organisational side? Like, because I know your your overall sort of help running the East and also the stuff for Wales. What was it there? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's just about the hockey side, but it's kind of how I I, I look at life generally. I think life for me, <clears throat> you get out what you put in, mm. and I, I'm a really big believer in if you want to complain about something, that's absolutely fine, but don't just complain, come up with a solution, come and help contribute. That doesn't mean coming in and taking over whatever it might be, but it does mean offering constructive support and being able to say, here's what I see is going wrong. Here's how I can offer some support. Might be some advice. It might be a bit more time driven. Um, But I know with hockey clubs, 99% of them across the country, across the world, probably are volunteer run, Mm. which is one of the strengths of hockey. It's a volunteer community sport and it's really grassroots, which is amazing. But at the same time, it's also one of its key weaknesses for me because it relies on a handful of keen volunteers to run the direction of clubs. Um, So for me, I wanted to get involved with the stuff. It was a short period of time to organise a squad, get some games together, get some pitch time. And I know how much a bit of continuity off the pitch will help play out on the pitch. and giving it, it's giving up my sort of spare time to do something. I personally just want to to make sure I get the, the most out of it in terms of enjoyment and bringing people along with me. So don't get me wrong, but I don't, don't offer to put my hand up to do everything. <laughs> I see there's there's an issue about hockey I have a particular passion for. And um, it's nice when you kind of see things work, whether it's, you know, you all got, everyone's got matching kit or the pitch has run fine or 
everything about the sort of squads comes together and, and that for me I get that sort of enjoyment as much as I do from from playing and winning or even just competing. Yeah, that, that's a good point actually, isn't it? It's that that addition, yeah, not putting putting something in and getting something back and also that that creation of a vision is, is always really helpful. Mm-hmm. Even that session we managed to set up in Swansea a couple of weeks ago, it was great to hear how well it had gone. So yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I suppose as I'm talking about it, how does the, the the regional stuff in England differ from the stuff you do with Wales on a on an international level? Does what what's how does that differ? Um, not too much really. The, the the England hockey have just gone through governance restructure, which started the new system started in September 2021 mm. for the current season. So things are slightly different. But in the old world, you'd have five different regions: North, South, East, West, uh, Midlands. Uh, combined services if I've got my maths correct uh, would come to an annual tournament uh, across the weekend and play a series of games and it, that that would be the the one and only tournament that a divisional side would come together as I guess international level you've got um, a four nations tournament as well as a world cup or Europeans depending on where you are in the side mm-hmm. there's a couple more things to aim for and I guess at the international level you probably have a few more meetups uh, as well during the years so there's a little bit more to think about whereas the division has just really come together for barbarian side for the sake of one weekend and then you also sort of disband and the nature of it with, with rolling age groups is that group will probably never come together again which is why it's also so special at the same time because you, you look around the the sign think actually this set of guys or ladies team this is when we're playing with this weekend and you'll just know for the coming season, seasons beyond, you come across each other in the pitch or the clubhouse. You have that sort of nod and look, and yeah, we played together. We went through this together, and that's that. That's really exciting for me. But yeah, there's not there's not too, too much difference in this organisational side, and you still need to book pitches, still need to book umpires, yeah, yeah, still need to to harangue players. And thank goodness WhatsApps are now around, which yeah. I didn't have in when we were at university, Peter. To the old Friday night phone call, dragging people into to play at least everyone's on the same page now so so that's brilliant yeah absolutely um i'm not sure it necessarily gets people to, to respond any more quickly but yeah it's, it's at least you know they've read it or not with a blue tick <laughs> yeah see where they've got that turned on but i don't it's it's true um so much so much more i suppose yeah there is a few differences but i suppose it can't be that different we speak the same language and actually in theory England hockey and hockey Wales work together quite a lot on the mm. highest level of stuff anyway don't they so yeah although interesting yeah as you said with the governance restructure gone from in excess I think of over 200 different associations to a one centralized system which is a a brave decision by England hockey albeit in line with I think rugby and the way that rugby now runs theirs and possibly other sports so and and, and sort of makes a lot of sense from a practical perspective yeah, yeah, you're right. It, yeah, it does make sense and sort of allied to those changes as well. The the regional structure I just mentioned has moved from I think five regions to eight areas. They're not called yeah. regions anymore. It's eight That's area right. groups. So you've kind of got north, south, central, east, west, and a few others whose names escape me now. Um, and there's also the introduction. There's quite a lot happening with England hockey all, all at one time with the game management system being introduced. That's a single source of truth for fixtures, results, leagues as well. And that was introduced. A few teething problems, admittedly. At the start of this system, a uh, season rather, um, does I think Inghoke recognise that there's a lot of change and needed to to bring the sport forward, bring more people into the game and and centralise it because you have a lot of good intention at local levels with volunteers, but it's often done disparately and people don't share best practice. People don't share unintentionally just just how these things work. So if it all gets brought under one single umbrella, there should be a single system which should work, but so that, that's that's the theory. I guess we'll see how that reality pans out across the season. Yeah, and I think there's wasn't there also an element of the the travel was something that they want they took into consideration because certainly at the top of the regional when it was just five England uh, North South East West Central of the Midlands sorry like you said now to, down to eight so I think we've got two quite close here. I've got I'm technically in Sussex in South East but there's also a South Central as well as a few others that actually the until you even until well, until you get to the national conference league then the amount of driving is significantly reduced i think in certainly in, in certain areas yeah no you're absolutely right Pete. that's a really important point because um not only is it i guess on the one hand particularly tiresome for having all these car journeys uh, but it's actually one i found one of the, the, the things i most enjoy just sitting in the car with the guys and just uh 
shoot the breeze on various things but actually I guess more importantly from a sustainability and, and environmental considerations having shorter journeys and less journeys can only be a good thing for the environment sort of going forward um, and then reducing the number of people driving across the country or across regions for for, for games. Yeah in particular I think as the you know, life accelerates and there's more things that you can do actually playing a game of hockey four hours away that lasts an hour and a half is a lot less appealing perhaps than it was um, ten, even to five, ten years ago. So not that it was necessarily appealing then, but um, <laughs> but I think there's also that that uh, sort of realisation of where sort of society and, and the general culture is going. And it means you can hopefully get more people involved in the game, which I think presumably is also one of, well, must be one of England Hockey's key drivers with all of this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And I, I think there's also a balance here because... Um... There, there are other drivers to improve accessibility to the game, such as Hockey Fives, uh, which is coming in, which yes. I'm not too too convinced about myself in terms of bringing people to this game. Yes, it's much more accessible, and I, I get, but from, from a purist point of view, it's a bit like comparing T20 cricket with a, a full test match. It's Yes, you're, you're playing the same game, but it, it, it's a very different skill requirements and, and tactics and, and, and setup. I don't think it necessarily drives the game forward but i do accept from an accessibility point of view it makes the game much more open to more to be involved which yeah is to be avoided it's an interesting one it's a bit like actually i had i was looking back over who else has come on this podcast so far this year and i spoke to um a woman who was the head coach of england sevens or development officer uh, Sammy Phillips, I can't remember exactly her job title, I'm afraid, but she was saying one of the interesting challenges that, that she has, um, and in fact their sport of sevens has, is that that differential um, between the two. Uh, so yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from on that. Um, I suppose in some ways it's a yeah, it's, again it's that balance, isn't it? A positive if it gets more people in, um, but it will always come with unintended consequences at the same time. So. Yeah, an interesting one. Um, and I suppose also, I'll just change the topic slightly, but we're mentioning that the overall title of the, the today about striking a balance. How, how have you found um, in the last sort of, well, I suppose even including primary school, when the, the balance of, of keeping work or school and then work um, sort of chronologically uh, alongside both the playing and the, and the managing the other involvements in the game? Um, that's a really good question. I think if I gave you a, a, a nice tight answer of that, I think I'll probably be a millionaire because it's, it, it's trippy, I think, is yeah. the answer. And, and I think when you just think you might have cracked it, something changes. And I think the what I have sort of learned over, over the many years of balancing and spinning various plates is the need to be patient uh, and to be flexible. Mm. And to not to be too dogmatic about what does what does success look like because it changes over time with um, life commitments, work, family, relationships, and now children with me. So it's and then priorities change. You know, when I was younger, single, had less sort of those sort of more formal commitments. I, I could invest more time in in things like playing the hockey, staying afterwards for a game and stuff. But now, actually, quite rightly, my my children have other commitments at the weekends, spend more time with the family. Um, seeing friends and stuff um, so yeah there's there's quite a lot to just to manage and, and it's and I think I'm back to when we started talking about why did I get involved with the Wales thing it's the little time that I do have for, for non-family stuff but when I want to be kind of being away from my family I really want it to, to make it count and to, to be, really enjoy that and I mean, that's the biggest thing for me now you see, see so much of this pandemic and it really just reminds you that life is so short so actually just to um just to enjoy life and, 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 and not think too much about it and not think too far ahead and just be in the moment a lot more. That's what I'm trying to try to do. Yeah. A, a, interestingly, I had a, did a workshop at work only a few hours ago on, on a, a particular productivity sort of approach. And, and actually Jeff Crouch, who again was one of the guests on the podcast um, was, was running that the session was the, the primary focus of that productivity idea um, was about clarity about what you want your life to be and then what you tend to find is your priorities will become almost intuitive so mm. yes you need that to have some direction and not be getting the response from the Cheshire Cat of if you don't know where you're going it doesn't really matter which way you know which direction you turn um, if you've got those clear sort of high level goals 
then actually you can start to spend more time in the focus in the present because you're you're you know you're moving in the right direction yeah no right and i guess if you if you can yeah have those goals you can and you can visualize them so that gives you that sense of purpose or you need a little of a bit of a boost you can actually here's what i wanted to achieve and i think with having that bit of focus you know whether it's short term long term medium term certainly for me that helps what drive, drives me forward and keeps me thinking definitely and i think the you know things like the four nations and the world cup that we've got next year is is a prime example of that it certainly helps me when i'm when we're doing all of this stuff and you, you know, perhaps have people who drop out of a session or you you you're trying to organize a look at dates and things aren't quite working it's that overall final sort of no we want to get there we want to be in the best shape that we can that sort of keeps you going doesn't it mm. yeah no absolutely uh, and and in terms of i suppose um wider sort of work and and family life and, and sort of crossover what sort of skills and things do you think that you've you've alluded to it before but the hockey brings you that takes you sort of into into the other side of your life yeah i think i think increasingly as sort of work sort of um going out through the levels with work it's actually um understanding people and dealing with people from all different levels and, and trying to get under the skin of people what motivates them yes and how definitely a one size fits all approach does not work on the hockey pitch or afterwards and and what motivates one person is a complete switch off for someone else and actually getting to know someone off the hockey pitch which i quite enjoyed doing when i was younger over a few drinks actually that's how you know when when the chips are down during a game whether barking an order at someone is going to get a desired response or actually asking a question um, and similarly, dealing with our good friends, the umpires on the pitch, how to manage them before, during and after a game, actually. And, and the respect that you, you sh- absolutely must show to umpires is something that I think is a life lesson that I teach to my, my children, treating others with respect. And um, and then and then things can sort of move positively from there. So I think it's it's understanding how people work, taking the time to get to know them, I think, and, and treating people with respect. Um, because I think life changes so quickly uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's really important just to, to to listen to people and just understand that people have a different lens to everyone else and your backgrounds, beliefs, value system isn't the same for everyone else's. Um, and if you want to be on the same team to get to the same goal, whether it's winning a hockey match or winning a league, um, you need to be on the same page as that. Don't have to agree with everybody, be able to at least understand and respect people's other uh, other opinions. They can respect yours, and you can find a common ground. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, suppose it's one of those things as well with the not just what we've been through with COVID, but actually still going through, and presumably to a degree, will continue to with the greater amount of working from home the additional challenge that that will bring won't it because you're not necessarily going to be interacting with either as many people or as frequently and certainly not as much face to face in those water cooler or lift moments where you actually just get to talk to someone like you said after a game of hockey where you really find out what's going on with them and what and what they're what they're about yeah you're right absolutely with colleagues i feel really sorry for um anyone particularly young graduates starting their their careers and whatever their paths are if they're sat in there bedrooms on a laptop that's no way real way to get to know their colleagues and, and know what makes them tick and semi and learning from the people it's only by so coming face to face do you get the benefit of that colleague experience um so, so i think that's one of the, the the drawbacks of this sort of work from home culture that we're in at the moment because of the pandemic yeah. um missing out on 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 seeing people what makes people tick yeah i think especially if you're in a high pressure, fast moving environment um, and or perhaps the people around you that are a bit older or you superiors perhaps um, are not used to, well, haven't been able to adapt and, and just or, or have the additional stresses themselves and, and actually being able, learning things like picking up the phone. I did something I try and do now if I message someone unless I have to, I'll, I'll try and just call them and speak to them directly as much as message them because it you can have those conversations and the bit of checking in, can't you, as part of it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and one of the, when I was, um, I'm a chartered, as I said, I'm chartered surveyor by trade, but actually I don't do 
day-to-day thing and why I work for the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, who the sort of standard setters and regulators in this space. But when I was on the on the tools as a surveyor, um, one of the things that I really valued was when I was going out on site inspections with my superiors, wasn't just watching how they conducted themselves on site, how they conducted themselves in, in tricky client meetings, but actually talking to them afterwards. So oh, I saw you use this phrase or your body language is different then. Why was that? Uh, how you managed to diffuse that situation or, or win them on side from quite a tricky situation and, and talk them through. You just can't do that at the moment on a, on a Teams call or a, a Zoom. And I, and um, yeah, it's a, sh- it's a real shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how it impacts wider culture actually over the next few years um, and how far back towards pre-COVID we get and whether we, we actually realise we need to do more in, in person than perhaps we don't. I don't know, technologies might also evolve to allow that almost as a part of necessity, but it's going to be an yeah. interesting thing. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. But don't get me wrong, I'm not some Luddite who doesn't think it's not oh. a great idea because speaking to colleagues overseas and being able to do that at a touch of button rather than jump on a plane, yeah, that's amazing, but... Um, and similarly, the idea that you need to be in an office present in order to get your work done, that's very archaic. But sometimes we are human beings, you know, that human interaction mm. um, and just have a different perspective other than the four walls that you get up in and, and work in every day. It's really, really important just for your mental health, I guess, more than anything to have a change of scenery, get some perspective on your situation. It's not all about work. It's not all about hockey. You know, life is there to be lived in, and it's for me it's striking that balance so we come back to the title of this podcast it's mm. uh, and and that balance is evolving all the time and and remembering and recognizing that i think is 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 a, is a real skill yes and i think as you've alluded to as well not just in yourself but in other people and having empathy of being able to understand their situation as well as um the ability to uh, not disregard or, or or think negatively if someone responds in a particular way that uh, um, unconditional positive regard actually would probably be what it would be um, called in a in a more uh, clinical environment of just actually accepting that people are going to have those especially in a situations like covid etc those sort of um, different days so yeah yeah it's an interesting one um you've also you mentioned a couple of points or earlier about belief and 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 what values to yourself I, you because of course you've been you've had something else that's gone on for you recently as well yes that's right so um over the course of the the, the lock lockdown i guess i um i sort of found found faith and i got baptized um a few months ago yeah and it was it's something that it, i've been thinking about for quite a while but i guess my thinking was more accelerated during lockdown my, my school Went to St Albans School in Hertfordshire. Um, if those you know the area, it's and the school it's it's next to the Abbey, uh, and I went to the Abbey twice a week um, as part of the school choir. Right. And uh, so I guess it's a Church of England school. So faith was was there, but it wasn't really central to to, to my life or what I was doing at that point. But um, during the sort of co- course of lockdown, I think like all of us, we had time to reflect, mm. time to think about what's important to us and. And what isn't and my my wife Jane and her family are are churchgoers and we, we we go and do go to the local church which is Christ Church in, in St Albans in a fantastic congregation and vicar Jeremy who who leads that ship and I, more and more I attended the, the services more I got just thinking in my own mind um but how I live my life decisions I choose how I react to certain situations um sometimes of stress i guess mostly and i guess as a parent as well balance that with what kind of um life do i want to bring up my two children andrew and hannah with and how do i want to present or not present be the best version of myself for them and for my family and for everyone else and i found that um through finding my faith it's given me more of a grind a grounding rather and a sense of perspective on situations where i think historically i'd probably be quite quick to react and quite quick to judge and just impose my own sort of value system on on a situation then now it's not every case because i still do react quickly every now and again but i think i'm increasingly a lot more calmer about situations um and take a much more yeah uh, so a, a 
a, a different view and not so so judgmental. And I think that sort of helped me board in lots of life situations, um, and particularly through this like pand- pandemic, a lot of um, more like close work colleagues who are slightly older, fortunately they've, they've they've passed away due to COVID, and it does increasingly make me reflect actually the importance of life and and how I want to sort of spend my time and what I want to do with it and who I want to be with in that time and I think my faith is really important to me um sort of through all of that and helped with my sort of decision making and um that sort of sense of calm I think yeah and um do you uh, when you reflected I, I suppose where did where did your where did you think that that came from in you <clears throat> I came from I think it was, it was um some some various different strands in my life which i guess i was, I was sort of drawing together um so over time because in the pre-covid world to be so busy jumping from one thing to the next thing commuting hockey traveling whatever it might be and i just didn't stop to reflect yeah why, why am i doing this wherever this is is it just because it's what i'm supposed to be doing or do i actually need to be involved with this group or associated with these people and and I think actually, why? And then now, perhaps a bit too much time on the other hand, all the things are a bit bit more normal than they were about a year ago. Um, so I want to put it down to one specific thing, Pete. I would say it's it's just that kind of building sense of um, inside that um, I think mean, I almost say it's high calling, but I just I just felt felt and feel different now. You might put it perhaps a, a congruence to more about who you are and what you want, perhaps, and just realizing yeah. that those it's it's an interesting, isn't it? Sometimes you you go out and you actively find something and you, you sort of yes, that's what I want, and then other times things will almost be attracted and come to you because actually you you need it without really realizing, and and yeah. they sort of they over time they they sort of creep up on you, and then you realize actually this is something I really want to be doing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, well. We've been going for about half an hour, so I'll end the first half uh, there. There's no sort of whistle, as it were, um, as we would expect from our umpiring colleagues. But I'll just to nip quickly into a, a half-time break. Um, this week, looking at the idea of New Year's resolutions, and in particular, so off of this workshop I ran um, earlier on today uh, in the office, or digitally, as it were, in the office, about... Um, productivity just one thing i've learned over the last in particular the last few years about news resolutions is actually setting them is an interest a good time to do it is before you hit january and the fact that if you give yourself the time and the space in december in particular to sit down and reflect and review where you are and, and what you've uh, what you've achieved especially in the last 12 months um but over a wider period it can help you being clear about not necessarily what you want but certainly the experiences and how you want things to be over the next 12 months and help you sort of set not again not just just goals but just actual sort of visions and ideas about which direction you want your life to go to a little bit I suppose Nigel you've been talking about uh, with your faith but therefore it's perhaps news resolutions is an idea to consider but from a wider perspective I think at this time of the year from reflecting and taking that time away and having a few hours or even a weekend or an afternoon to yourself if you can and and really looking at where you've come from and where you want to be but not necessarily just goals but also wider um as I alluded to the idea of who you are and what's what's important to you so I just thought I'd chuck that out there for half time this week um and then I was just coming back to you in the sort of start of the, the second half um where where does I suppose what does 22 2022 if i can get my numbers right yep um look like for you again in sort of those three areas of, of hockey work and sort of wider life um yeah so i'll start i'll do the reverse if i can pete yeah of course touch with hockey and a touch on work so i'll start with the wider bits and piece i think um sort of family i mentioned you know andrew and hannah andrew's gonna be turning um six in january uh, he's year one at school and hannah's gonna be turning four in february she's in um in preschool so Hannah will be starting touching with the same school as Andrew next September so it's a big big transition for her and and for us having two children at school I'm sure other parents on this pod will <coughs> be, can can attest to how life really does go quickly 
um, and I certainly want to be there as much as possible, which this one of the benefits of this work from home world we're in now, I can take them to school and pick them up um, most days, which is brilliant and be part, part of their activities. And, and for me, I really want that to continue in 2022 and, and beyond and be there because they grow up so fast and it's, um, and just, I, I know, yeah, before I blink, they'll be in secondary school and then off, off into big wide world. So I want to be there as much as possible for them. Um, but one of the things we haven't sort of touched on, but is, is I guess related to hockey, but something we've just become recently involved in is the England Hockey Equality, Diversity, Inclusion Board, the EDI yep. Advisory Board, which was mm. uh, uh, set up a, a month or so ago. Uh, we had our first meeting a couple of weeks ago, just kind of agreeing strategy and the way forward, and and that's something I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into in the next calendar year because it's. EDI is, is, is absolutely massive and I don't think we need to tell you all the, the listeners just how important it is not just in hockey but underpins life and the values of respect tolerance and, and acceptance but but particularly within in a, in a hockey world um, there's, there's a lot to do and I think certainly the, the, the advisor group recognise there's a lot to do and the balance is uh, having some clear goals back to what I talked about earlier clear goals of what you can achieve in the short term yeah. and not and focus on getting those wins but not losing sight of some groundwork needs to be laid for longer term strategies such as uh, wider inclusion of hockey in, in state schools access to facilities access to sticks and other equipment which I understand is quite can be quite prohibitive if you compare it to say football uh, and other sports um and being much more visible in in this space mm. um and there's uh, I guess at the time of recording this December, we've just coming through the other side of the, the Yorkshire Cricket Club scandal as well, and yeah. how that um, really sad situation has has been handled, and the circumstances all surrounded that. And you just hope that that's um, a one-off, and that's not replicated either throughout cricket, hockey, or any sport or in life generally. But not being complacent, think it that's not the case, and as a when things do arise. England hockey communities, we can come together and and make a positive difference. And it's something from my background because I'm I'm half Chinese, half English. Very proud of my heritage and my background. And I think it's really important to represent people from mixed race origins, people from Oriental origins who aren't visible uh, in the higher echelons of England hockey staff side or playing group. And that's that's a fact. Um, and it's important to have that representation and. and I did suffer um, racist beats on hockey pitch um, when I was younger um, and have I've been receiving some comments uh, not so long ago either, just, just out and about generally. And I know I, I okay, one comment is, is bad enough and I, I don't receive as much abuse as, as other people do and I don't let's make it right at all. But having been on the receiving end of, of comments of that nature, um, I think it's something, you know, it, it hurts and it's um, important something's done about it. Mm. And, and something else as well, as I think is, yeah, you're, it's it's one of those things that it completely um, intolerable. It's not acceptable at all. And it's, and with certainly with the sort of the, um, the ethnicity background, I suppose, the, the um, sort of, so sort of the, the percentages or, or the changing that's happening, especially obviously in London and, and starting to, to move out into the rest of the, with the country was becoming even more important. Um, but you've, you've, you've mentioned to me as well, how different, different parts of EDNI are, especially from a race perspective, actually are, are, are sort of um, represented in terms of sort of, a sort of different um, I categories or classifications as in terms of, black and then asian and then um indian is that right you you you're, you mentioned to me before about that um yeah and i think it's um you had the sort of the black lives matter movement as well yeah. and i think you talk about the south asian community which is um that's well, a general classification for for, for indian so the subcontinent around there and mm. and east asian as as well and i i think from my perspective historically whether it's hockey or anywhere really um oriental 
minorities haven't been as visible, haven't been as vocal, and haven't been in the forefront of these conversations. Mm. And I, I don't know why that is, um, uh, but it's something that does need changing, and not just for Oriental. There's there's a whole host of other classifications where people are are are, are not heard, and I think that's the voice of this group to provide that platform for inclusion um and it's it's it it goes as easy as simple as um for example take mixed hockey that classification mm. so mixed hockey's are now starting mm. England cup games on a sunday the definition of mixed hockey piece is is you know five late a minimum of five gents or five ladies in a team mm. so what about um transgender athletes as well so that's yes, that's something i think england hockey are going to consider you know just even something like that the definition how if someone identifies in, in in a different way how was that um uh accepted by the england hockey rules just even like in some sense it was mixed hockey uh, uh, people of transgender status feel welcomed in that competition so yeah yeah that says that there's a lot to lot to consider there's a huge amount, and of course, there's also there's, there's non-binary amongst mm. other um, ways in terms of as, what would that be more? That's gender um, beyond other, other things like uh, I suppose sexuality and 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 also disability being being another big one. Whereby yeah. a small amount of research I've done on it, um, you know, twenty percent of the population is generally considered uh, uh, disabled, and that gets that gets a higher percentage as the older that you get, but um, yeah, it's 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 an area that hasn't been, I think, you, what you sort of definitely alluded to, is it hasn't really been looked at enough and needs more needs more attention, not just in the short term as a sticking plaster, but actually to change the approach as a wider uh, cultural consideration, doesn't it? Mm, um, yeah, because that's that's what as if that's what uh, as as the world evolves, that's what we need to do. Otherwise, yeah. the risk is we can be left behind as a sport as a as a nation etc um and as well as i think you you mentioned um uh with the with certainly with the with the gender or even the, the naming of, of men and women as opposed to perhaps gentlemen and ladies um as well just also how we we look at that and what that offers um i know the RFU have, have considered, or perhaps the IOB have considered, one thing from a physical perspective, but it's um, it, it's it's something that needs looking at because it's 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 important. On yeah. that <clears throat> no, absolutely. And um, to come back to your original question, sort of thing you asked about life, work, and hockey. I guess from a hockey perspective, goals for twenty twenty two would be um, for the Welsh team, at least at the risk of sounding glib, to to win a game in a tournament. Um, we haven't won a game in a tournament since uh, beating the great hockey nation of Denmark with respect to them in the yes. Europeans a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, we've been on the receiving end of the few wrong results um, in and around that. And obviously, COVID sort of interrupted things last year. So my personal aim is to at least win one game at the four nations. That's England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go into the World Cup, touch wood, it goes ahead in Nottingham in, in August. Mm-hmm. And we look to build from that because, yeah, we, as, as you know, Pete, and just for the benefit of the listeners here, we're putting together a programme of just contact time for um, trials and, and games. So that's a togetherness on the pitch. But the nature of Masters hockey, and for those of us of a certain age and getting older, the body doesn't quite work as much as the mind would like it to. So a really fundamental point in Masters hockey is actually your fitness, the ability to put back-to-back games together Friday, Saturday, Sunday in case of the Four Nations and as many as six, seven games in nine, ten days across a World Cup, which is not normal. You wouldn't play that during the season. You play one game on a Saturday. You might double up on a Sunday if it's cup time, but that's it really. So you've got time to recover you won't have that across the tournament. So it's, it's putting the strength and conditioning programs, that mindset of a personal responsibility for the players to look after their preparation, their nutrition, their welfare in between. And, and, and because it's all volunteer, it's not like they've got central programs with uh, hockey centres to do this day and day out. They're fitting this in around family commitments. So it's, it's a real test, actually, for the individual of striking that balance and also 
taking that personal responsibility when the eyes of the manager group aren't there. It's just you, your family, and your normal life. That's basically when the gains or losses are made in between tournaments, not turning up once a month for a trial or a game because that's only four or five hours. The real legwork's done outside of that. And it's for me, success would be for the people involved in our in our setup and aspiring to be part of the, the selected final group to take that on board and really see some difference. Because I do think we 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 lost our final game against Scotland. I think it's four one in the end in four nations. And I don't think that truly reflected where we were. There's no disrespect to Scotland, they're a good side, very well drilled, well organised. But I think our lack of fitness across the group and then injuries taking their toll just meant by legs had gone by the end of the game, which is understandable, but it, it could be it can be helped. It's one of these things it's within individual's gift to do better. So I think for me success from a hockey pitch at least would be um on a Wales side would be to to win some games and to see some improvement in the players and then uh, to set a platform for, for the next cycle for the Europeans and beyond. Um and then from a club perspective haven't been able to tread the boards at Southgate too much this um, this half season. It's Christmas, so I hope to get out on the pitch a bit more and support um, support the club. Yeah, but as interest, interesting what you say about that time away from those the sessions being so much more important and, and that volunteer part of, of the hockey and the fact they're all amateur. I suppose it's also one of the potential benefits to the sport of from, I guess, going back to your EDI uh, sort of involvement. Um, in that actually there's a potential for us to have a, a, a greater, wider impact because it's something that actually influences all of us so much more directly rather than perhaps, say, sports like, we'll say, say football, etc., where there's fans and, pit, and players and there's quite a degree of separation and, and arguably challenges there. That we're all, it's not as, We don't necessarily get a huge amount of spectators at hockey as much as I'd no. like to think it was not the case. It, it, the fact is that that is true. Um and perhaps therefore, because we're closer to it and we're all more involved, it's something that you may well be have, able to have a greater impact upon. I'm just thinking about it now. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and and I suppose, yeah, so, but, and then therefore, what is the EDI, is the particular focuses that you have for the next 12 months, or is it not something you can necessarily talk about now? Um, <clears throat> there, There is a, a survey went out to... Um to the hockey family yeah i think over the summer and, it, and it's really we're in the process of collating the results of that survey and organize our own priorities so it's not the group have actually hadn't decided what the priorities are we've just had an initial meeting saying hello to each other and they're working through the survey results so, so as it stands i, I can't really commit to that because we haven't you know no, we haven't, okay. as a group decided but yeah it, it, it will be around the, the themes of um uh, state school inclusion in sport. Um, those minority groups that we mentioned about um, non-binary status, transgender, etc. And, and and ultimately, with, with underpins all of it is is growing the game, make it more accessible and more inclusive. That's that's the fundamentals that we're starting from. But just how how you do it, how you bring people on that journey, what resources, the limited resources you have, how much you rely on on volunteers, mm. how much you leverage commercial um interests as well to support so it's a, a fine ecosystem to balance but yeah yeah absolutely and then as you say alongside that your own your own personal fitness and, and play yeah. and some yes some clear goals that we set ourselves a couple of well a couple of months ago in terms of session now didn't we about actually getting a win on the board of both ideally yeah. both both tournaments having two wins next year in one in the Four Nations and one in the World Cup, um, as you say, assuming it it goes ahead. And, and in terms of, I suppose, also then the wider part, you, you described a small amount about your, your faith but uh, as well. How does that sort of evolve, I suppose, or do you see it in, in 2022? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It's um, I think there's, there's faith at a personal level and then there's also um, sort of guiding Andrew and Hannah through their journey and also contributing to the, to the local community and church community and I'm still trying to figure out how the the best way to, to do that is some really good people at the local church who, uh, who take a lead on on many areas and, and I'm really really new to this so I'm 
which is great somehow because I can ask those why you're doing this sort of questions, um, but at the same time bow to their their experience. But I, I have um, been cutting the grass at church every now and again over the summer, um, getting to sit on the ride on lower ride on mower, which is a good fun. Um, yes, but, they yeah, are. I'm still sort of yeah, still figuring that one out. What 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 heights to cut it at? You mean? when it comes to... i'm 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 uh, like my hair i've got like a short short as you know a grade two side and back but um yeah i think i think um certainly during the summer it needs, it needs a trim every every 10 days or so but i think over these winter months you so let nature take its course but yeah yes <laughs> yeah it's amazing how quickly it grows although as you say great fun um and the smell of grass is always mm. a, always a wonderful addition to yeah. the oh definitely we're in the summer now um okay uh, so yeah, not just and therefore, um, um, for the for the kids, I suppose think about your two your children that you mentioned going into the new school. Uh, challenges for them, that, or a hockey for them? Are they involved? And and how do you keep balancing that as well? Are you able to to get them involved? Um, I'm hoping to Southgate Hockey Clubs give them a bit of a plug. I've just started a hockey tot session right. uh, on Saturday morning. I think it's nine or nine thirty for three to five year olds, and I think it's a great way to involve children in the game and because I was I guess a relatively late start I didn't play quite proper hockey till I was about 11 which is I guess relatively late these days um but they they come and watch and they come see play they see me on, on the on the on our YouTube channel with the, the Wales stuff which is good fun and um they're happy to hold on onto a stick but it's just yeah I try, I'm just conscious not pushing them too much in one direction if they if they want to play football swimming whatever it might be I want to support them but I think I wouldn't want to concentrate too much on anything at this stage because I enjoyed the benefit of playing a bit of badminton, table tennis, whatever I could turn my hand to because you learn different skills, balance, coordination in different sports, which will come in handy in life and in any particular sports or down the line. So um, I just want to give them the opportunities and touching wood, COVID permitting, they're able to do their clubs, their societies and, and get involved in, in, in various things in school and outside school. And I can support that. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it, as well, how we're talking about striking a balance, but actually um, it isn't, a lot of specialisation perhaps doesn't come that that early. Uh, there is the people that do, but but actually how much you can learn and how much benefit there is, not just on the physical side, but the, the thinking side and the social side or the, the environment side of, of other sports and what that brings. Um, certainly hockey is one I've often looked at and thinking, well, there's so much similarity between so many of the core other sports that we play in this country. You know, football as a as a core starting point with the, the formation, but even a space for rugby, hitting the ball like cricket, um, the fitness of multiple different things, and even striking sports and like badminton, um, tennis, etc. How much there is that you can bring across uh, from other things. Yeah, yeah, no, no obviously, it's just I, I think it's just, I said about my, my sort of life lesson, just get get stuck into as much as you can and and enjoy it and, and try and be a sponge and learn as much as you can and and take 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 your own view and your own learnings from things and try and apply that and try and be positive generally so i think that's um so i try to do yeah and i think it's it's been certainly from the from the welsh side we've had a, we've made some progress haven't we in the last two sessions despite um, numbers and covid being a restrictive actually getting a, a video call for some some aims and objectives in the first session down in Swansea. It's um, it, you can still, if you can look at it in the right way, still gain, take steps forward, and, and make you feel like you're making progress. Especially if it's in a way that aligns to to how you want to be. It attracts things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's bringing people on that journey with you because again, it, people have a view as to what the successful, a good session looked like. Well, actually, a good session could be anything really. Just um, depends what your your mindset on and, and sort of how you want to go about it. A, a team's call. Might not sound the most enthralling thing, but actually, it's good to get, um, put faces to names, get people to say hello, and get agree those um, team values, which you don't actually have time for do, or it's not something you'd do if you actually were on pitch hitting a ball around. You just wouldn't discuss that. So it's great we had that firm foundation, and we can reinforce that in everything we do. And then when we do have pitch time, that can be so focused on on pitch time. Yes, and uh, yeah, and not just that, but not just the time to do it, but actually being able to do it from people's homes. So we we might have got people together for an hour and a half, but actually they didn't need to leave the comfort yes. and the warmth of their own bedroom or or, or study or, or lounge or wherever they may have had been on their laptop or computer.
computer. Yeah. So yeah, no, absolutely. It's yes, that other element of bringing other people with you. Um, yeah. So and not just just to finish with them, we're sort of coming towards the end of uh, the session, as it were, the the, um, the podcast. I three key takeaways is something I normally ask all of our guests for, and I and I suppose so. Therefore, um, sort of on to you and, and yours, really. Yeah, um, I think for me, it's, it's, I think the three top three would be first and foremost, um, be passionate about what you do, whatever it is, sport life friendship um i think the more passionate you are about something the more likely you're going to invest your sort of time and energies and really focus in 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 achieving something and then um and that and then that i guess that leads on to my second one of, of, of working harder i think everyone agree that nothing in life is gets handed to you on a plate you need to work hard for it and the more heavy lifting you do to, to work hard, I think there's that real sense of satisfaction. If, even if you don't achieve something, you just know you've worked hard to achieve something and you put all you can into it and you know there's no ifs and no buts and no no what what ifs. And I think for me, that's really important to work hard. Mm. And at the same time, um, be persistent. Uh, you know, there are cliches, but you sort of learn the greatest lessons when you, uh, when you make mistakes rather than time of success really is, is true and there will be setbacks in life there will be failures and that's why my faith has helped me deal with those setbacks and the failures and put things in perspective because it happens and it will happen life doesn't run smoothly there'll be health challenges financial challenges climate change challenges affecting everybody but you know just by throwing the towel and saying right that's it i've had enough without working hard being passionate about finding a solution and being part of that solution being persistent I think that's what that will be a recipe for me for success. Yes, it, it, yeah, and it's uh, the your second point. I think especially struck a chord to me. I've, my counselling course at the moment um, that I'm taking, level two, is has got a, uh, a poster on the wall which says, "Don't, don't, don't expect half the results um, unless you're prepared. To, you're only prepared, if you're only prepared to put in, or, or expect half the results if you're only prepared to put in half the." half the effort or something along those lines and so yeah it's not just about not just about being keen on something but actually being prepared to turn up and be there week in week out doing the hard graft and 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 having that putting that energy into focus and and then when when you are persistent and you do work hard at something that's when you get the rewards just 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 being keen on something isn't enough is it it's yeah perhaps taking it that step doing everything else that you can to 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 actually follow through Okay, well, no, that, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I, so, and just to, to wrap it up there, so uh, episode 20 of the Happy Hockey podcast is, is what you've just been listening to. And my guest today has been Nigel Sellers, um, joint manager of the Hockey Wales Men's Over 35s, talking striking a balance. And we heard from Nigel in the first half about his journey into hockey from playing Unihoc, as a lot of people certainly did in primary school, um, through to Masters representational stuff, as well as his work from university and then becoming a chartered surveyor uh, and his recent journey into faith with, with the, uh, the joining the local church and church of England. Um, our half time this week looks at, looked at new year's resolutions and the idea of taking some time to reflect on where you've come the last 12 months, but also where you want to get to in the next year and actually an interesting time to do so before the new year, before Christmas at a time of, as I learned a few weeks ago at Advent service, I went to about a, a time in theory of, of fast before feast, rather than the feast that perhaps Black Friday and all the commercial adverts that we're used to seeing suggests that December's about. Uh, and then the second half, we come back to Nigel Moore from his sort of work hockey life balance and starting with his children, going to the same school and how this sort of will evolve into 2022. Um, the idea or aims that we have for the Wales group that we're involved in at, at winning at least one game would be great um, to take on our, our triumph over mighty Denmark, but also his involvement in the new, very important England hockey equality, diversity, and inclusion advisory group, um, being half Chinese uh, and also his, his desires and, and focuses on the parts of, of gender and, and non-binary and, and how mixed hockey and other things will hopefully add an increase to what not only hockey offers, but also um, the number of people playing the game. Uh, as well as hope, ideally, ultimately, the, the culture and what the sport um, becomes, uh, as well as what it is already. Uh, leaving us with your three key takeaways, Nigel, of 
being passionate about what you do, working hard at what you do, and then ultimately being persistent um, and and staying staying the I suppose the the, the hard yards and, and the the journey to to get the most out of what you can. Um, so yeah, I've uh, been wonderful to have you on. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thanks for having me, Pete. No, it's great. I think the EDNI thing in particular is is a very important one, and as you mentioned, alluded to with the, what happened with the Yorkshire cricket. But um, I think it's a real opportunity there for England hockey as the amateur sport that it is, pretty much. But actually, the amount we can have going into communities, etc., we can really have a uh, an impact there um, beyond the sport. I think it, it really is a potentially a, a vehicle for something else, and also as you say, from the involvement you can get, whether it's school or just international representation or stuff, just a great. Um, a great opportunity for for everyone if they want to be so yeah um my name's been my name hasn't been in still is peter thomas um thank you very much indeed for everyone for nigel for coming on for everyone for listening and for everyone out there that's been involved in the happy hockey journey so far i'll leave it there for today and i'll speak to you very soon <laughs>